Nick, we've had a busy week in football this week. After a dedication episode last week to the great one, Josie Mourinho, we are back to business as usual, sir. We have AFCON, we have the Asia Cup, Premier League, the, what was it, the League Cup today, Fulham, Liverpool, yesterday a massacre at Stanford Bridge, Chelsea and Millsborough. We have a lot to get to. Historic loss for Bayern Munich. You and I watched it live. Perhaps the best 90 minutes of football I've ever seen with a 1-0 outcome. Werder Bremen finally slay the dragon. They win, they win at Munich for the first time in 15 years, sir, since Thomas Schaff was the manager and since Bremen were actually a German power. So without further ado, Nick, what have you been watching this weekend? And then you get to update us on the Asia Cup and AFCON. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. I, I, uh, I was very yeah, man. That was probably the the highlight of the weekend was that Bayern Munich match. I have to say uh, that was something that I wasn't expecting. You weren't expecting. The world wasn't expecting, and uh, we had some real action, man. You were Werder Berman fan all the way. Uh, that was a very surprising and shocking result. Leverkusen is so close to being. Uh, crowned daddy of the year uh or stepdad we'll say because um you know as we as we both know and we talk about uh Bayern Munich might swoop right in and and steal some people but for this year Leverkusen's on their way man we we got to witness uh Vader Bierman playing like they were in what the 2000s or 90s you said they were good the 1990s and 2000s, 90s. they were very good. They were a perennial Champions League side. They won numerous Bundesliga titles. Werder Bremen, for about 15 years, were absolute German royalty. There was a 2003-2004, they had this kid from Brazil. Well, he wasn't a kid, but Ailton. And uh, he was he, he couldn't get on the Brazil national team because at that time, they still had Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Roberto Carlos. They were loaded, right? So... He was actually going to switch his citizenship to Cutter, and uh, they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't let him do it. But he was a he had I believe he won either he or Roy Mackay won the Golden Boot in the Bundesliga. But Bremen won the title over Bayern by six or seven points, oh three oh four. So they went to the Champions League as the German champs the next season. They yeah they were Werder Bremen. They have a star over their crest for a reason. They they they've been they've been at the top of the mountain quite a few times, and it's a shame to see where they're at right now. But when you have a player like Mitchell Weiser of all players, who's a former Bayern player, former Leverkusen player, so the two teams that are battling it out for the top spot in Germany, he now plays for Bremen. He's the one that scored that wonder goal against Manuel Neuer, impossible yeah. angle, and it just goes right in the top of the net, one nil. Bremen, who are not a good defensive side, did not concede, which is unbelievable. Bayern were putting on the pressure at the end. They made offensive substitutions. They subbed out some defensive players, put put offensive substitutions in. Thomas Miller came on late. They had Musiala in, obviously. Chopin Mutangi, and nothing worked. It just uh, corner after corner after corner. The keeper for Bremen... He's, I mean, man of the match without a, without a shadow of a doubt. But also Mitchell Weiser, he got the revenge goal on Bayern. And yeah, not, not yeah. much left to be said. It was a, a very, very 
emotional win for them as they head to the corner to their supporters, Bremen, that is, for the first time in a decade and a half with a, with a victory in their pockets, the Allianz Arena. So, yeah, my hat goes off to them. A brilliant, it's tactically, Bremen set up um, just brilliantly. It was in, just, you could, not have, you could not have put a better game plan together to slay the beast, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I mean, you were telling me the whole time. I haven't seen someone play defense like this in a while. And that goal that, that he scored, you're right, that angle, man. I I mean, I didn't even – when I saw that goal, I couldn't believe it went in. I mean, the he must have had a, two feet to get that that ball at that angle, and he got it right in, man. And uh, that was the – the dagger in the coffin, as they say, and uh, that was um, something that shocked us all. Uh, the whole world, I would say, no, no one in their right mind had Vader Bremen winning that match. So, definitely a big, big one. And and we also have been keeping up with uh, Afcon and and the Asian Cup. Also, with uh, I think the final round of group stages tomorrow morning. So we're going to be going into the playoffs in both competitions. Big news in Africa, big news in Asia. So, so we got a lot, man. Uh, Japan drew a match, and uh, Salah got hurt. And because Ghana crapped the bed, uh, Egypt still goes through. So, yeah, man, a lot. We've uh, we've been really, really busy uh, with football. Well, I wanted to also say before I get too further into this, ran into some Evertonian fans this evening, Mike and Haley, and wanted to say thanks for the uh, great conversation. We talked a little bit about FFP and Everton and what they're going through. Also Nottingham Forest and went to a lot of discussion about Man City, Chelsea, obviously huge violators of the, of the transfer windows uh, as, as if you will in the past decade or so, Chelsea, of course, hit with that transfer ban a couple of years ago. Man City yet to receive any punishment of any kind. There's the rumor, his thought was, you know, they're kind of making an example out of Everton to kind of deter people perhaps from doing it. But the rules are, are this FFP we could do a whole show on because the rules are made on the fly. They're enforced when they want to enforce them. There's a ton of gray areas. Right now, Man City has 107 violations of which – you know, what, what if they only have 10% of those go through, but, you know, one of them is cook the books or whatever. It, it's it's just, it's an unfair system. And I feel like Everton, we, we talked about this a couple of times on the podcast and I'll just reiterate it here. But yeah, I had a great discussion with them tonight at Accidental Wine here in Park Circle. So wanted to give them a shout out um, to future listeners of the podcast. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame what's happening at Everton. I say that as a Liverpool supporter, because I feel like they are being made an unfair example of when there are a ton of clubs, especially in the top six, that are violating the same very rules. And yet Everton, who have gained no advantage in the table, has suffered the, the ultimate consequence. Biggest point deduction in Premier League history, Nick. Yeah, I agree with you, man. They, uh, they've they gotten to be made an example of, and uh, it's really not fair if you ask me. I, I agree with you, man. Um, there's, there's just no 
there's no I, I just don't know what they're gonna do with City. I mean, I, I know no one knows and no one can really say what happens, but it, it's it's just a tricky thing. I mean, I feel bad for Everton supporters. Heck, I feel bad for them, period, just with you know how they've been doing recently. But I do welcome the Everton fans. I love me some Everton fans. I've met plenty of them per se downtown. When I was working downtown, uh, for whatever reason, I would just always run into Everton fans. It, it it's never. It would always amaze me, man, because I'd be like, so why? I'd think to myself, why am I always running into Everton fans? But for whatever reason, they just flocked to Charleston. So. Welcome. Thank you for listening. And uh, hopefully you guys can um, get back. Yeah. To- so let's dive right into it. We talked, of course, last week about Josie Mourinho and we des- decided we were going to do kind of a tribute show because I do believe that this could be the the last time we see him ma- manage a major European club. There's always, there's always the potential to go somewhere else, but it looks like the reports are reading Saudi Arabia potentially managing an international, you know, a national team. So with that being said, we're going to get back into things. We talked about the Bundesliga. Let's start off there, right? So with the movement we had today, we finished off the match that Bayern had in hand, which was the Union Berlin game. They win that one narrowly. Did you watch that one? I did, and I was not very happy, as you know. Um. For whatever, so, yeah. What happened with that? I, so I was not able to see it, but you said it ended in a one nil. Yeah, one nil. For whatever reason, um, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get two goals. Man, uh, Bayern Munich went up uh, one nothing right after the half, and then all of a sudden they just Union Berlin was a brick wall. Uh, Kane had Kane had a goal called back. And then that was it, man. One nil, game over. Well, same time after the we, you were talking about when the last time that Bayern lost back to back matches in the league, but much less back to back home matches in the league. So that's what this would have taken. It would have been they they did escape they did escape with a one nil victory, but to to for for Bayern Munich to lose back to back league matches at the Allianz Arena. That would have been uh, quite the quite the black eye for them and Thomas Tuchel. So we talked about you talked about something that was wrong. You said Byron just looks wrong, and here's the thing, right? So they were trying to get Paulinho in the summer. They didn't get him. They don't have a true holding number six, which is something that, if you look at the history of Thomas Tuchel at Mainz and Dortmund, I'm not as familiar with his setup at Chelsea. I mean, he wasn't there. He wasn't there very long. He was there for for a little while, but that you know he 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 was in and out, got beat by Klopp in the two cup finals in penalties, and then he was gone. Right? Yeah. I'm much more familiar with him in Germany, and if you look at his, he had like a double pivot in in Dortmund. He had a, a double number six, like with uh, Gonzalo Castro and Julian Weigel, stuff like that. Right? They so Bayern are are missing that that number, the true number six. And I think that's part of it. That's part of the problem. The other issue is that you mentioned the other day, like maybe some of the players, you, they lose Robert Lewandowski, they get Harry Kane, but Harry Kane score, you know, looking to, to, to break Leva's scoring records and such. But, you know, there's, 
it's a lot of it, it seems like there's a lot more individual play you know Musiala makes a move or Sané does something really extraordinary shot from outside the box but you know the old Bayern sides right going back to Robin Ribéry Frank Lev uh Frank Robert Lewandowski those guys would dissect you right Tiki Taka Pep Guardiola football that that seems to be gone now right so Bayern the the tack while the players they're not the same as they were before. You know, you, you have Chupa Muteng playing, and I've always said that Chupa Muteng is a reserve guy. He's not a starter. Yeah. But they, you know, he gets a lot of minutes at Bayern, which is just odd to me because he wasn't even really a regular player when he played for, like, Schalke and stuff like that. He, he, he you know, he's he's solid, but he's not great. For him to be playing for a club like Bayern for the minutes that he gets is is, is quite, you know, unusual, I would say. Yeah. Yashua Kimmich is rumored to be on his way out. Delit is Matthias Delit is on rumored to be on the way out. They're missing Kim because he's in the Asia Cup, so they they have some weaknesses, and that's something that ESPN, who's in the broadcast, you know, they pointed out that Bayern are susceptible. Look at this thing, right? Let's break this down. They kept that high line, right? And and Bremen would concede possession to them, and three times in the first half. So the first goal. From what is the kid's name in in Emja or whatever his name is? Yeah, he. I mean, he's he, he might be a star in the making, but he scores that goal, and it wasn't an offside; it was actually a foul in the buildup. Yeah. So of course, Bayern escapes there with some kind of you know bullshit call against Bremen. You know, no no shock there. Bayern, yeah. Bayern gets a call at the Allianz, right? But the second goal, they could not. They 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 absolutely got caught with their pants down, but from an un, impossible angle. By Mitchell Weiser. But the point is, three times Bremen caught them on the break, really, really red handed, and Bayern were able to escape that. They are susceptible. They they can be scored on. They can they can be countered. And if you do that against a, a quality team, especially in the Champions League, it's going to be a quick exit. So you're saying that Thomas Tuchel's Bayern does not look right, and I would tend to agree with you. What have you? What stood out to you? Those are some observations that I heard, and some observations that I made. I also don't believe that Manuel Neuer is as good as people think he is. He's 38 yeah. years old now. They still say, "Oh, he's what he is one of the greatest keepers in the world." Well, that's okay. Depend. How big is the world? I mean, I, I don't. I don't. You know, is is he top 15? Maybe, but yeah. I think Mark Andre Ter Stegen's actually better. Yeah. He is, so he should be starting for the German national team. Yeah. Manuel Neuer, there's one of those guys, you know, politically, he plays for Bayern. They're sponsored yeah. by Adidas. Adidas makes the kits for the German national team. Adidas also owns, has part ownership in Bayern. Yeah. If you're a Bayern player on the German national team, you're, you're politically made, right? So the only one I can think of in recent history, like Oliver Kahn got basically demoted by Jurgen Klinsmann in 2006 for Jens Lehmann, which is which was unheard of, and I think Oliver Kahn was also the captain. So Neuer, I don't, I think he's absolutely lost a step. I think you have some players that are unhappy or bored or, or whatever it is, and we can go back to the fact that Dortmund basically shit the bed last year, and Bayern are lucky that they won it last year. This might be the year where they absolutely dig themselves too deep of a hole and this time they can't crawl out of. But what are your observations on Bayern this season? We need to talk about this because this is the most interesting story in European football. 
Yes, City and Liverpool are battling it out. Liverpool had a huge win over the weekend, 4-0 against Bournemouth on the road. Yes, Real Madrid. Yes, Girona. Yes, Juve and Inter. But those teams that I just mentioned, Leverkusen, excuse me, Liverpool has won the league in the last five years. Real Madrid, Girona hasn't won, hasn't won jack shit, but still, Real Madrid, um, Juve and Inter have both won ch- championships in the last five years. Leverkusen is nicknamed Neverkusen. Neverkusen is in they've never won anything, and they've always been close. They're called In Germany, they're nicknamed the Ewige Zweite, which means the eternal second. This is a big story, Nick. This is this is the headliner. So what do you see? We can talk about Leverkusen's strengths. Here in a minute, we talked about the fact that Xavi Alonso plays with the three, what is it? The, I think he plays with the three, is it a three, four? Yeah, it's, is it a three, three, four? It's like a three, four, two something. He, I know he has the back three with, uh, with the, um, I think it's three, two, or three, four, three, four something. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, he has it figured out. I mean, you, you bring up, the Neverkusen and I watched a video. I think we, we talked shortly about uh, Leverkusen the other night and uh, we had, um, yeah, the three, four, two, one, three, four, two, one with Boniface. That's it, yeah. Cause Boniface yeah. is up front. You have Virts on one side planking oh. and you have Hofmann on the other. And then of course yeah. you have Ta in the middle of the, of the back three with two, yeah. two other center backs surrounding him. Yep. Zaka. Uh, Firpong, Kanajaka, yeah, Firpong, yeah, Firpong, and Firpong is such an offensive threat and goes down that wing so 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 incredibly well that it frees up the other side to yeah. come back on defense. So Leverkusen have always lacked maturity, especially in the last ten to fifteen years. Uh, they did break through to a Champions League final, believe it or not, in the early two thousands. It's still unheard of that that happened. They lost to Real Madrid, no shock there, but. Beside that, they haven't had anything really to celebrate in the last two decades. They haven't won a trophy since 1993, Nick. Yeah. So it's been 30, 31 years, and they've been second or runners-up so many times. But this time it seems different, right? But before yeah. we get to Lever- Leverkusen, what is it that you see with Bayern that gives you concerns or, or worries you? Yeah, I mean, I, I just – they can't. They're finishing. I mean, when you're counting on a guy like Chipu Moting, you know, uh, you have issues. Who who would want him starting up front for their squad? You just don't want that. Coming off the bench, sure, you know, he can give you a good 20, 25. You have Kane there also, but Kane seems to be having his issues too, man. I mean, just when you watch him, just something isn't right. I mean, me coming up as a football fan, watching the German league was always a headache to me because Bayern Munich would just steamroll everyone, 4-0, 5-0, 1-4, you know, and you just don't see that anymore, right or wrong. I mean, you, well, um, you see it. They they beat Darmstadt 8-0. Yes, but very rarely. Yes, it's not the same. You, you know what I'm saying. It's not the same Bayern Munich that we're used to where – Every match, you can expect them to get the three to four goals. You just you can't do it anymore. Um, I I've been saying it for a while, man. I think it also has to do with Thomas Tuchel's system. Yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, agreed. It, it also is who's at helm. So that changes. And, and I guess it's just something I'm just not used to. And it's so hard to see Bayern Munich play like this, where they get the one nil, the two nil, and, and they move along. It's just, it doesn't seem like it's what Bayern Munich is about, if that makes sense. I, I don't see them being a team that just plays the Jose way or, or the, 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 the Thomas Tuchel way, as we're seeing, I just feel like something's wrong. I, I feel like something's missing. Something's missing up there. When you watch them, they just can't seem to to, to gel together in that final third. Um, and it shows with the score lines. I mean, today, for example, the one nil. I, I mean, the whole world is expecting Bayern Munich to to get two or three. And show the world that they're serious because they did just lose a match, which happens never. So I, I just, I say it like I said about Napoli, man. Something is wrong. Um, you know, I'm not saying Thomas Tuchel needs to be fired because you know I see it online from Bayern Munich fans, and you laugh. It's like when I say to fire Arteta, you know, people laugh, but but these people are are so used to to never losing to big results that they say crazy stuff like that. And, and do they mean it? Maybe not. Some of them do, but I just feel like something's wrong with Thomas Tuchel and, and the people he has the system he's trying to run, um, is not, is not working. And, and as you see, they're, they're finally looks like they're not going to win the league. And, And we don't see that very often. It's been 14 years. I think you said, right. Uh, 12. Yeah. 12 years. So so clearly there there is something that's happening. I mean, it, granted, it is Bayern Munich and, and eventually they they should possibly not win the league. But when you say that they're not and you've won it 12 years in a row, there's clearly kind of a little wrench thrown in there. And uh, what I see is they just can't – It's it, they're missing something up front. They're missing something. You had Robin. You had Frank. You had Mueller, you had uh, Robert, you had people up there that you know would get you that goal or finish. And right now, I just don't see it. I like Teal, the uh, the young guy, but he's still kind of erratic, uh, erratic man. He still doesn't have his his bullseyes on and can't hit that back of the net like uh, like Robin and and the the legends could. So. I just I feel like something's something's wrong, man. Something's not just clicking with that squad. And and you made a good point. They're missing that six. They're missing someone to kind of put it all together, and and to get those goals. Here's the thing, too, that's interesting. Leverkusen has a plus thirty six goal differential and Bayern thirty seven. So what cost Dortmund last year was actually the goal differential. So Leverkusen's even keeping pace with them when it comes to scoring. Yeah. And, and, they actually have the better defense in 18 matches play. They both played 18 matches. Leverkusen has, has allowed 14. Bayern's allowed 16. Yeah. So even there, Leverkusen, they have the, they have the best defense in the Bundesliga yeah. this season. So Xabi Alonso hitting on all cylinders in, in every yeah. facet of the game. Yeah. And you have to, in order to take this title from Bayern Munich. I mean, I told you when I first met you, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a couple years, a year yeah. and a half now. And I told you I could care less about the top tier of Germany. I mean, and it was funny because that, that was your thing. Yeah, you're Liverpool, but it was funny to me because I finally met a football fan that I could talk to forever. 
and you were a German guy and here it is. I don't like the top tier of Germany, you know, but we got blessed with such a good season that it's fun. You know, we're having a good time following all this. Like, sure, we can talk about our second and third tier because you know these teams and I can talk to you about it. Thank God I can because I've never had anyone, but that's a whole nother story. But this happening is just that big, man. It, it I've never been able to gel with that league because I would always see Bayern Munich steamroll people and Leverkusen would just make Europa or champions and then get kicked out just like BVB. So this is, this is big. And, and what Leverkusen is doing is if you ask me, it's, it's historic, man. I, I mean, I have never seen someone do this in Germany. And to me, it's, like Christmas, man. I, I love it. When, when Bayern Munich lost, it was, it was like Santa Claus dropping off gifts, man. Well, we talked about Leverkusen and the tactical system that Javi Alonso has put, has, has put in place there, their maturity. They, we also had come to terms with the fact that they're one of the few clubs that are exempt from the 50 plus one rule. And you and I just talked about this actually night before last i believe it was yeah. we talked about this that uh leverkusen are exempt from the 50 plus one rule yeah. and now you know rudy feller is gone and you have uh Rolfes, he's now in charge and it looks like they're finally ready to spin right you know they they already have a uh, world-class player florian beards but they went out and invested they got grimaldo they've got frimpong they got uh, boniface they got chaka so they they have they have invested in players that have played at the highest levels. You know, Jaka came from Arsenal. The, the Boniface is is he, he was playing in Afcon. You know, the, the, these are players that will that will help you win a league that are that that have been there before that know how to win trophies, win silverware, right? So they're not. It's not just Chicharito and Leon Bailey, and that's the only investment you make, and you put their, your entire season on one player that never works. Yeah. They have finally, for the first time, and I don't know when, Leverkusen has assembled an actual starting eleven that can line up with just about anyone in Europe. Yeah, I I take them. I they go toe to toe with any lineup, and it and it's funny to think about because who if you think about who Alonso played for and and where he got his footy knowledge and stuff. And he was playing for some of the best, man. So it, it shows in, in what he's doing. I mean, granted, just because you play for those guys doesn't mean you're going to manage well. We've seen that, you know, Rooney, Frank Lampard, like, you know, guys sometimes just don't work. But whatever he's doing and whatever he learned is is coming together in a wonderful way. And I, I just, I pray and hope that, you know, we, we say, and we, I don't necessarily say we joke about it, but it all depends on what happens in this off season this year. Do they sell people? Do they keep them? Do they add on this season after the, after this season, it'll be the teller for what Leverkusen wants to do as a club. So two big things that are already being rumored for the summer for, for both clubs, Boniface is being. It looks like West Ham and Chelsea are going to go to war to get to sign to sign him. So that's the one thing that we should we should look at. That it's going to be. Uh, it looks like a Premier League side and Alfonso Davies, Chelsea and Real Madrid battling it out for Bayern Munich player Alfonso Davies, the Canadian superstar. 
hasn't Chelsea wasted enough money already? Or, or, I mean, this is yeah, it's getting ridiculous here, isn't it? Yeah. They, but anyways, need- I don't want to get on Chelsea. Yeah. So here are the matches this week in the Bundesliga, Nick. It's uh, it's pretty pretty simple. Leverkusen have an opponent they've beaten four to the last five times. Most recently, back in August, they beat them 3-0. That was on the road. This time they have them at home. That's Mönchengladbach. That's that's uh, first place versus 12th place, separated by 28 points in the table and 39 goals. The probability, according to our friends over here at Soccer.com, is Leverkusen 76%, draw 14%, Gladbach 10%. So, this should be, one might say, a layup. Leverkusen's not making anything easy, but they struggled, obviously, last week, but they got the job done. The week before that, they struggled with Augsburg, got the job done at the death. Yeah, that's what champions do, right? Bayern go to, and this is the this is a trap game. Their neighbors, only sixty kilometers away, first city that I lived at in Germany, which was Augsburg. That is the destination for Bayern Munich. They have tripped up on Augsburg, at Augsburg a couple of times in the past ten years. Some of them were when the league was already wrapped up, so I can't really count those. But a loss is a loss, you might say. It's not easy, man. Augsburg is a trap game. And they're Bavarian rivals, so Augsburg takes this one very seriously. Bayern probably doesn't, but it would be it would behoove them to take it seriously this year as they find themselves down by four points. No more matches in hand for Bayern. They have to keep pace with Leverkusen without having a, 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 a match in hand. So I would say, based on paper, Leverkusen have the easier draw. Augsburg at home is a tougher opponent for Bayern who are – Struggling to score, Nick. They've scored one goal in the last 180 minutes, and all 180 minutes have been at the Allianz Arena. So, what are they going to do on the road at Augsburg? A feisty team that can that does occasionally step up. They beat Dortmund. They beat. They can beat Bayern. They've done it before. So, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on these two? Because I'm going to say Stuttgart and Leipzig. That is that's actually a really big match. But Stuttgart without Girassi. Uh, that's that they're a whole different team. Is he on the way back? So they, they, uh, I know he's staying because they got, they were the best third place team. So they're yeah. going to the playoff. Yeah. So they're, so Stuttgart is going to be playing Leipzig who just got, they, they've, they've been, they've lost their last two. And Dortmund has now made up the six-point lead that Leipzig had on them in the last two weeks. As Dortmund win two, by Leipzig lose two. This is this is this is a, this is a top-five matchup. But Leipzig, I have no doubt that Leipzig are going to win this one, especially with Stuttgart's absolute MVP being out for this match in Afcon. Yeah. So I'm I I don't while it is a major game based on placing in the table. I give this one to Leipzig because they just they're just an all around better team. So the yeah. two matchups, Nick, how do you see Augsburg and Bayern playing out? And how do you see Leverkusen and Gladbach playing out? Well, one's one's at Leverkusen at the Bayern Arena and the other one is in Augsburg. Yeah, I mean Augsburg uh in the seventh uh round or seventh match week um of last season, they beat Bayern Munich one nil. So Mm -hmm. in, in that was at the beginning of the season, so they can do it. I mean, we just saw where to Berman do it. So, I mean, I I agree with you, man. I I agree with you that Augsburg is definitely a difficult spot. I wouldn't put all my freaking money on Bayern Munich right now. They have a hard time scoring 
scoring, uh, especially they will have a hard time at Augsburg just because how difficult it is to play there, like you said. Uh, and Muchen Gladbach, man, they they've been uh, they've been pretty bad. I mean, they've lost four out of their last five away matches. Leverkusen has have won. Uh, I mean, I don't remember the last time they lost at home. Last time they lost at home was against Cologne in the last season. So you got to think uh, Bayern Munich have the harder take here. And um, I see Leverkusen steamrolling uh, Gladbach. And uh, Bayern Munich's going to have a hard one. I, I just I can't see this match being the one where they just all of a sudden wake up. It's going to be one of those 1-1 or – I'm praying for a one-one. I won't say that'll happen, but it it won't be more than two or three goals, and and it's going to be a difficult match for Bayern Munich. Leverkusen win easy. Okay, so I'm going to go with a one-one draw at Augsburg. I think I like that, that I like that. I think Bayern are going to drop two points on the road, and I think that Bayer Leverkusen will beat Gladbach, but it's not going to be as easy. I think it's going to be two to one. But Leverkusen will continue to claw their way to find a way to win. They just need three points. And at the end of this match day, you could potentially have a six-point Leverkusen advantage uh, going into match day 20. So that would be 15 match days left, and they have a six-point advantage. Now, they still have a head-to-head, but that that match is at at Bayer Leverkusen. So things are looking up. I do do think that Bayern – this is the thing, okay? We have not seen until last season, and they did come through, but this it it's Dortmund, right? Dortmund, you just know they're going to choke, right? They You just know it. It's just in their DNA without Jurgen Klopp. It's in Dortmund's DNA these past 10 years, whether it was Thomas Tuchel, whether it was whether it's Terzic. It doesn't matter who it is. Peter Bosch, they, they're they, – they're going to choke. They're going to do something to blow their lead. And they did it last year. But this has a di- – we said at the top of the hour, right, this has a different feel to it. Javi Alonso has Leverkusen hitting on all cylinders. They're undefeated in all competitions this season. That's That, that means since August they've not lost a match anywhere to anyone. Yeah. So they're primed to win the DFB call. They're the, the highest – Rank club, if you will, ranked or most prestige, whatever you want to call it, left in that tournament. And I just think that Bayern have not felt this kind of pressure since the Dort- Dortmund Klopp years, if you get my gist. That is, yeah. we have not seen them tested like this. So yeah. can they, from a position of weakness, they are in second place. They're not, you know, they're not being chased anymore they are the chasers how does Bayern do as the chasers that's the question right under Thomas Tuchel with this current squad no more Lewandowski no more Ribéry no more Robin no more Boateng no more prime Thomas Miller this is this is the no more Philip Lahm no more prime Manuel Neuer this is this is who you have and can they can they can they come through in match day 34 across the finish line with the squad they have now and the squad that Leverkusen currently has. That's the big question. Yeah. I mean, pressure's on, pressure's on Munich. I feel, I feel Leverkusen are going out and just playing, winning matches 
again and again, and all the pressure, all the media, everything is on Bayern Munich, and what are they going to do? So I agree. They're not used to chasing, so let's see how they do chasing, and uh, let's see if they can they can uh, catch up. Because being only four points back isn't isn't enough for me. I, I like right. your draw, your mm-hmm. one one, but I want to see one more dropping of points, and then I'll be happy. I, I, they need to be six up, six seven points up, so Leverkusen have that little spot where they can have a hiccup. And then that's it because four points, Leverkusen lose one match and they're one point back, you know, and then that could be the league. So it's, it's on Bayern Munich. I feel pressures on them and, and let's see if they can continue to uh, uh, chase and nip at those heels. Yeah, we will, we will see. This is going to be a big weekend in Germany for sure. Speaking of big weekends, let's move over to Spain. We had some, some pretty, Astonishing outcomes there. Real Madrid escape Almeria last place. Haven't won a match. Down two nil. And you and I called it. You know this was. We just knew Real Madrid were going to come through, and they did. They they came through three two. It was going to be what was it the ninetieth plus nine? And we said it was going to be play until Real Madrid scores the winner. Score. Yeah. And so so, so anyone, yeah, you know that was that was no surprise there. Anyone listening, just just go and Google Almeria. And you'll see what one of their players said in a press conference. He said the referees let them play until Madrid scored, just like we said. He said it publicly, and I'm sure he got fined. But I, I encourage anyone listening, go check it out. But, yeah, we were absolutely spot on there. That that was a joke. Referees gave that to Real Madrid, and, and I'll leave it at that. But not to be outdone, Girona plays Sevilla, and they absolutely sandblasted them 5-1. to Yeah. Killer, killer, killer performance by Girona. They take the lead back from Real Madrid in, in La Liga. So they're up 52-51. The goal differential now is only plus four for Real Madrid. They have a 30 goals, 30 goal differential, whereas Girona has 26, but they but they made up four of those last weekend. So Sevilla, Sevilla, one point off the drop zone. I mean yeah. What what a historic! I mean, Deportivo La Coruña is one thing, but to see Sevilla down there, Valencia obviously was down there just a few years ago. Now Valencia is playing for Europe; they're back in a healthy seventh place. Se- I don't know what the bigger story is: Sevilla facing the drop or Girona in first place on match day twenty-one. They played twenty-one matches, and Real Madrid and Barca and Atletico both have twenty played, so they all have a, a match in hand, but. You don't have first place is first place, baby. Yeah. This is this is a very interesting season, Nick, in Spain. Very interesting. Yeah, you never see Girona up here. And and Sevilla played Atletico tomorrow, and they're gonna get Wally bobbed there too. So it's just I, I feel like Sevilla need to focus on staying out of relegation and uh they just need to get up out of Copa del Rey. But yeah, we've we've been Spain and Germany have been our our loves for this this season so far. I mean, of course, you know, taking Liverpool out of it. But yeah, we seeing Girona up here, even today in Copa del Rey, they went down three nil really quick and they almost came back and won that match. I mean, it was three to two at the final. They got a late goal to make it three two, but they still we're fighting till the end. Uh, I was happy that they got out of that competition. I want Yorona to focus on the league. So for me, that was a good result. 
I could care less about a Copa del Rey. I mean, maybe the fans want to see it get one, but I'd rather see Girona win the league. So I was happy with that. But yeah, we we have us. This is just amazing. No words. Well, there's an interesting matchup this week again with Girona should win. They play 16th place Celta Vigo, so you would think that they would be they they are they are the favorites in that one, as a matter of fact. But the more interesting matchup is Real Madrid's playing eighth place Las Palmas. Now, do do we really? Because it comes down to this, right? We just we just mentioned this ninetieth plus nine or ninetieth plus until Real Madrid scores a fucking goal. That that so fourteen minutes, whatever. So does anyone, even the beloved Barcelona, does anyone have the refs in their pocket like Real Madrid, or can you actually beat them? Fair and square. This is the question because I look at this and I say, okay, Las Palmas is the top half of the table club. They have that's a potential banana peel for Real Madrid. The pressure's on them. They're the ones that are chasing Girona right now. And they face each other in just a few weeks. So we're if, if Girona wins that, that gives them a clear-cut advantage. But is there anyone that believes really that Real Madrid are going to drop points legitimately to one of these sides? I mean, like you said, the players yeah. have even come out said and now and said themselves, Almeria players that is, but what, because God forbid they they get their first win in the season over Real Madrid. Yeah, you know, that that would what a, what a black eye that would be for Madrid. So I just think that Real Madrid are, are protected. They are. It's personal opinion, but I can be wrong, but that's my opinion. I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even a fan of any particular club, and I see it with my own eyes, non-biased. Of course, I like Real Madrid. I, I, I like the players they have. They don't bother me. I wasn't a big fan when Ronaldo was there because they would win every Champions League, but I, I don't have a problem with them, but they have the referees on their side. It, it's a, it's a, It's a clear thing that you can see, and if you deny it, you're just lying to yourself or you're delusional. I don't care what you tell me. Um, it I see it with my own eyes every match. I mean, we got to see it with Almeria. I mean, they had that game, and the referee said, here, Real Madrid, take it. And they did, and they won, which should have never happened. So I'm with you, man. Personal opinions, we're all allowed to have them. And, uh, yes, referees, for whatever reason, have always favored um, Real Madrid. Well, we're going to see Real Madrid first that Saturday, 10, 15 a.m., and then Girona play on Sunday at 8 a.m. So Girona will will know what they have to face. Come Celta Vigo on Sunday morning, they'll know what they they need to do. And my prediction is Girona will beat Celta Vigo 3-1, and Real Madrid will drop uh, 1-0 behind, of course. They They will concede first to Las Palmas. And Bellingham will get a penalty somewhere and uh, equalize. And of course, last minute, somebody, Carvajal, somebody will score in the 90th plus 85. So we'll play 100 and whatever, 175 minutes if we got to. And Real Madrid will win two to one on the road at Los Palmas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, call me exaggeration, but I'm not exaggerating because they're going to let it go. Until basically Las Palmas players will be on their 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 Gatorade fumes, and Real Madrid will just send Vinicius Junior, who's probably got the most gas left of anyone, and he'll just streak down in the 185th minute 
and score the have winner. a one-on-one with the keeper and score, and then they'll, and they'll blow the whistle immediately. Yeah. And then it's, <laughs> it's over, baby. Yeah. Yeah, man, I've seen it. I've seen it with an international match, and I've seen it with Real Madrid, man. Sometimes they just say, hey, play until you score and win. I've got to see it with my own eyes, and I've seen it. I've seen five minutes of stoppage called, and then someone will score in the 90th plus 12, and then they'll blow the whistle. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, this don't make no sense. So, yeah, probably you're probably right. Um, they'll go down just like they have been doing, and then they'll bounce back because of the the extra help that they get. They have 13 players on the field, and um, they'll get that. They'll get that uh, three points. Yorona uh, will absolutely steamroll Kelta. Kelta Vigo have no defense. Uh, they are pro- they're having a hard time getting points. Period. So. Yeah, Yorona win big there. Three one, three nil, something like that is 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 what I see also. Just because they're scoring goals at ease, and Real Real Madrid, you know, they'll go down one nil and win three to one. So there you go. Yeah, it's business as usual in Spain, right? Yeah. yeah. So in Italy, across the Mediterranean, we have. Lecce was playing against Juventus. Juventus won that one easily, 3-0. So with a match in hand, Juventus temporarily on top of Serie A, but Inter were taking care of business uh, uh, in, in Asia last weekend. Body. yeah. And playing. they took care – they t- were taking care of business there, and they now have 20 matches played to Juventus' 21. They play Fiorentina on the weekend – and it's on the road. That's a very tough match for Inter. It looks like, I mean, Juventus' schedule is just ridiculously easy. I mean, they're getting, they're at yeah. home against Empoli this weekend. So, I, don't, I mean, I guess what goes around comes around. Inter's going to get the same clubs, but it just seems like right now that Juve's getting Lecce and they're getting Empoli. In, in the meantime, you know, Inter's been playing Napoli and Lazio and yeah. now Fiorentina. So, th- this is, this is tricky. This is tricky for so you I'm going to go ahead and predict this. I think Juventus is going to 3 3-0 steamroll Empoli at home. No no uh no 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 question marks there on that one. I do think that Inter and Fiorentina draw. I, I like this one to go 2-2. This is it, it, this is a very tough matchup Sunday 2:45 p.m. I just think something's got to give. They're not going to stay perfect the whole time, but what that would do is with the UV win and the Inter draw it basically puts Inter in a position with the match in hand to go even on points with Juventus. So they would be tied if Inter win that match in hand. Yeah. But Inter have a goal differential that is nothing short of amazing. They have 39 in the plus. They've only conceded, get this, Nick, 10 goals all season. 10 goals in 20 matches Juventus yeah. uh, Inter has conceded. Juventus has, has only conceded 12. 12, so but they've only scored 35. So the goal yeah. differential for them is 20. So Inter, if they tie, Are they good. will win the league on goal differential. It's not yeah. even close. It's not even close. And that's what you want, right? You want that Bayern spot last year where you have a an incredible advantage over Dortmund in the goal differential department so that you win the first and foremost tiebreaker. Well, Inter has that. So but I think this could go down to the wire. I think this could be, you know, it's, I, I look at this. Juventus is going to have 55 points. Inter is going to have 52 after the weekend. And then yeah. if they win their match in hand, then they would both have 55. So I say Inter 2-2, Juventus 3-0. What do you see for these two matchups? There's really nothing else of interest in terms of 
you know, title contention here. You have some other matches, like, of course, Roma in their second match without Jose Mourinho. They won their first one with Daniel De Rossi in charge. They get Salonitana. That should be a, that should be an easy win on Monday for them. Salonitana obviously struggling mightily this season. Milan play Bologna. Bologna has fallen off big time. Milan at home at the San Siro to play Bologna. I think that Milan win this one two to one. I don't see them. I, I said Bologna slide will probably continue. Yeah, uh, it's just I don't I don't know what's going on with them lately. But they were one of the hottest teams in Europe, and they've they've obviously you know they lost to Kyrie back on January fourteenth. That was just an embarrassing loss. Yeah. So I can't really see Bologna doing anything to convince me, but. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the two big matchups? Obviously, Lazio and Napoli are a big match name-wise, but, man, you can be – Lazio's in sixth place right now, currently Napoli in ninth. So both of them still fighting to get back into Europe. Lazio obviously have tiebreaker that they are losing mightily to Atalanta, so they're going to have to get more points yeah. than Atalanta has. Atalanta right now is in that Europa League spot, but – yeah, I'm 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 concerned about Juventus and Inter matches. So Inter and Fiorentina and Juventus let you. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I agree with you with all the fixtures, man. There, there's really no need. The other ones are just kind of secondary. When you look at point totals, Fiorentina are nine points back of Milan in the third spot. So I mean, you this the top few are up there, and then the rest are kind of behind. So I, I agree with you. I mean, Lazio, Napoli, Napoli's missing some important people. So. Yeah, I, I could really care less. Not to and not to mention Lazio. I just never been really on my good side except for a year or two. But Juventus are going to beat Napoli or Juventus are going to beat uh, Empoli as we know easily two nil. You know, easy match two three nil. We'll, we'll stick with the two nil just because I I you know sometimes they don't give you all the goals you want. And Inter and Fiorentina. I'm going to say a one nil to Inter. I'm going to say. Mm. Uh, that's I'm an inscription on the road. They they just played Fiorentina and they played them very well. They won three nil. Granted, it was in Saudi. Granted, some the, the lineups were a little funny, and, and it was for the Super Cup. But I feel Inter Milan are just so strong, man. We talk about them a lot. We both have a spot for uh, Inter in our hearts, man. I, I like Inter Milan. They 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 really uh, they surprised me last season with the Champions League run, and then they held City off for 60 minutes. And to say that, with a, doing that with Onana in goal is a feat because he is absolute dog poop. So anyways, uh, we'll say 1-0 to them. And then I know I'm looking forward here, but Juventus and Inter play on the 4th of February, my friend, in San Siro next Sunday. Yeah. We're going to have a big match to talk about on the next week's uh, podcast here. We we could probably do uh, me and you. Hell, we could talk about talk about them for thirty minutes. So yeah, that's a, that's a big one. We're going to have to take a look at next uh, next podcast. But looking forward, I see that game being probably one that's going to be telling of who does get the title because a win either way puts someone up in a good spot and a draw kind of keeps it close. But if either side get a win in that match, it's going to be big. So back to Fiorentina and Empoli. I see both sides winning, keeping pace here. Uh, if Inter drop these wait, two. Wait, wait, wait. Empoli, you mean 
Juve. What? Who, who do you, yeah, Juve, you said Empoli. You said Fiorentina and Empoli. Well, yeah, they're because they're that's who they're playing. Uh, Inter and Juve. Sorry. Oh, you, okay. So you see, yeah. you see Inter and Juve both winning. Yes. Yes. Okay, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. So okay. I, I see them keeping pace, and and really, uh, this match it's going to make this match on the fourth just so much more important. I mean, whoever takes that match, which you know, Inter has the upper hand there being in San Siro. It's, it's going to mean a lot for this title. It, it really is. Uh, so I'm giving them one nil. I think they can beat Fiorentina. They can beat them. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm a prisoner of the past in the fact that these are the kind of matches that I, that the Maori Cardi teams used to slip and slip up on, right? Like, yeah. They would they would win at home. They would beat like Juventus at home two one, and then the next week they would lose to Sassuolo on the road. It, it yeah. just I have to tell myself that this is Lautaro's enter now. This is Inzaghi's enter. This is it's it's not uh, Pioli or Mancini yeah. or anybody else. It, it's it's this is this is a new it's a new day. You know, since the Conte season, it's been a new enter. Yeah. So I have to keep telling myself that and pinching myself that we're in a different. Different decade now. It's the 2020s. It's not yeah. the 2010s, and the dark days are behind. But I, I just, I'm always weary of that. And it seems like in those situations that Juve's had the better luck this year when yeah. it comes to the, I, I'd say the 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 big match situations. So they get, you know, they 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 get caught with their pants down maybe against some mid table club. But they've, I, Juve's beaten the teams that they're supposed to be yeah. at the top. Minus Inter, who they drew with earlier this year. So yeah, that does set up the Inter and Juve match as being a potential blockbuster. And yeah, that yeah. one, I I can tell you at the San Siro, Inter will go for the win. They're not going to be satisfied yeah. with one point. Absolutely, yeah, they're going to go till the end. Latoro scored a winner against Napoli in that final, and and just took his shirt off, celebrated, and and I just I feel like this is another one of their seasons, man. They're, they're really on fire. They're playing wonderfully together. It's just a matter of if Juve can keep up and if Juve can beat them head to head, then they could possibly steal it. But, you know, I have all my chips on inner, man. I feel like this is, this is another season where they take it, but you know, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta play the games and, and, and see what happens. So uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that this, this match on the fourth is what I'm thinking it's going to be. You know, I, I tend to like the fact that inter have, they, they have, they've, they've been able to, cause in the past, right. What, what is they, they've even the, the season when Milan won the title inter led for a good portion of that season. And this season, it seems like they've been able to hold serve, right. That's, that's what's, I looked at these matches. Okay, Lazio's potential banana peel. They win that. Napoli's a potential banana peel. They win that. Juve is a massive banana peel. They took a draw there, so so they split the points. So the Milan derby, they destroyed AC Milan. So these are these are these are confidence inspiring wins, right? And Lautaro yeah. Martinez is coming across to me as kind of the modern day Javier Zanetti, right? He's he's been at the club now for what five or six years he's yeah. a, he's replaced Mario Cardi extremely well he's they, there's full confidence in him they there's when he's on the pitch there's a guarantee shot 
or uh, uh, potential for a goal at any at any given time. He can he he can bail you out and absolutely put the team on his shoulders. So that, there's a leadership quality in him too. Yeah, that Mario Cardi didn't have. Like we yeah. like Mario Cardi, supremely talented, excellent poacher, goal scorer, but he lacked maturity, especially when he was an inter. He lacked maturity. But the leadership too, because that was that was one of the big the big uh, uh, points on him. I think he was stripped of his captaincy one season, and Lautaro Martinez has grown up in front of our very eyes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, man. He's somebody that you want leading your team now and uh, your your club. Uh, he's had his woes with Argentina, but those things are starting to turn around. I mean, they won the World Cup. He's taken and followed Inter Milan on this journey to the top of Syria, and and I, but like I've said many times on the podcast, when I first started watching Inter Milan was was a joke. You know, they weren't top four; they were always in the middle in that transitional period, and they have transitioned well to where they contend for the title every season now. Yeah, they absolutely do. And that's been the story the last five seasons. It's been ever since Antonio Conte came over, it's been a complete 180 from what they were consistently inconsistent to now consistently consistent. Yeah. And that's what you want to see. That's what a title contending side does. And so enter much like they were in the 2005 to 2010 seasons when they won five straight Scudetti. Obviously, the Champions League, the tr- we talked about this with Josie Mourinho last week, the accomplishment, only the first Italian side to win the Continental Treble ever. No one yeah. else has ever done it. Not AC Milan, not Juventus, Napoli, nobody. It's only been Inter. And yeah. Josie Mourinho was at the, was spearheading that, right? So that is the – that's more – this this team is more like that team than the ones in the 20 teams because that yeah. – after Mourinho left, it was a complete disaster. They did finish second place the season after he left, but then it went downhill very quickly, and yeah. they did not recover really. I, I say recover. They they made the Champions League. They made the Champions League like 2018, 19, whatever. But then they but they weren't contending for the Scudetto until Conte came and won yeah. it, and now Inzaghi has has picked that up and 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 taken on t- taken over where he left off. So this is yeah. a this is a massive matchup coming out. I think. Personally, in terms of, I think, and I may get crucified here, but I think that the biggest rivalry is the Derby d'Italia in Serie A, which is Juventus and, and Inter Milan. I, I know people are going to say it's AC and Inter. I, I, I think that as the city rivalry goes, like City and United, for example, Inter and AC Milan, that is massive. But I think when it comes down to the country and the league, the Juventus and Inter, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's 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 where that that's that's where that's the Barca, Real Madrid of Italy. Yeah, no, I I agree. And from a standpoint of of someone who doesn't quite know the history back before you know 2010 or whatnot, to me, Inter and Juve is the 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 match. You you know what I'm saying? That's the one. AC Milan had that one good season, but in my eyes, you know, I don't remember when they had. Kaka and and all that, you know, I I didn't get to see the the great AC Milan. So to me, I agree with you. I would love to see Inter and Juve because usually that match has title contention, uh, you know, meaning 
So I'm with you on that. I'd take an inner Juve match any day over an inner AC Milan at this moment. Of course, that's still a big one because of the history, but I'm with you. Juve inner, give give it to me. Well, we're going to get it in just just a few. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we got it. Um, so I wanted to switch over real quick. Not a lot of stuff to talk about league-wise in England. We do have some some cup fixtures that we have to go over. We, we, we finished the FA – sorry, we finished the League Cup fixtures this week between Fulham and Liverpool. We talked about it at the top of the show and Chelsea Middlesbrough. Chelsea Middlesbrough was an absolute massacre. It's like the uh, Custer's last stand just getting murdered in a, in a valley. Yeah. Middlesbrough, I, I don't know what – I don't know what team showed up for that at the bridge, but – that 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 was a that was an embarrassing display of football. I mean, just absolutely embarrassing. So Chelsea waltz right through. Liverpool go up. They end up getting the draw with Fulham, but they but the aggregate score gets them through to the final. So much like a couple of seasons ago, we're going to have Chelsea and Liverpool again for the League Cup. Yeah, at Wembley Stadium. But before we get to those matches. Liverpool had some business to take care of in the league, a must-needed win on the road against Bournemouth to stay a solid five points ahead of City. They get a very impressive 4-0 win, a brace from Darwin the Bust Nunez, uh, who has, we talked about the stat last night, he's such a bust that from the beginning of last season, he has one more goal than Bukaya Saka, who they say is just a world-class elite player and Mr. Anthony can't miss Martial who has, who has 14 goals in that same time. So Darwin, the bus Nunez has more goals than Saka for Arsenal and almost double the goals for, or scars. Excuse me. I said, Anthony Martial. I meant Marcus Rashford. My apologies. Yeah. For that Marcus Rashford. So yeah, the, the bus gets a brace and then his little, uh, midget, Co-worker, uh, Diego, Diego Jota, uh, Willow, as we called him over the weekend, he also yeah. gets a brace. So, Nick, pretty standard stuff. Liverpool, no Mohamed Salah, no problem. Sell him right now to Saudi for 120. Let's go get ourselves Joshua Kimmich. What do you say? Yes, I mean, I I, I, that, I feel like that's a big talking point is is Liverpool without Salah. They're, they're absolutely fine. And... The question is, you know, do you move on and and say thank you for all you've done for us? Uh, what can you, it's it's all about? What can you do for me lately? And lately, he just seems to be selfish. So and I want to say this, right? So we talked about this last night, and I got to say this: the question is, can Liverpool win without Mohamed Salah? Bournemouth has been one of the hottest teams. Yeah. They had a terrible start to the season. Terrible start. Then Dominic Solanke catches fire. They've they've won more than they've lost in the past ten or so weeks. They get Liverpool at home. We all know that last season Liverpool beat United seven nil at Anfield. Then they go to Bournemouth the next week and lose one nil. Bournemouth can beat Liverpool at home, no problem, no questions asked. They did it last season. Same fixture, boom. Liverpool wins four nil. No Mo Salah. A brace from Nunez. A brace from Jota, that's what you want to see. I thought the team played, especially in the second half, played outstanding football. They had, uh, you know, tons of chances, created tons of chances. Nunez, as you said, could have easily had a hat trick, if not more. Yeah. So, 
Salah is probably going to leave in the summer. You know, th- this is to me a, a, a crucial talking point, right? I mean, the transfer window we have a week left, right? Yeah. The, I, I, I mean, what do you it's do here? I mean, people, people are going to say the Salah homers are going to say, "No, this is blasphemy. He's the Egyptian king." Well, you know, the Egyptian king dribbles a lot with his head down many, many times over. And as many times that he can fake out a defender, he also gets dispossessed. And also, let's not talk about how many times that he's had an open teammate in front of an open goal and decided not to pass, take the shot himself, and either sky it over the crossbar or right into the keeper's arms. So, so, yes, Salah scored a ton of goals in his Liverpool career. No one's denying that. No one's denying that, right? But – I would say, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but let's go back and see how many goals, how many expected goals were missed because of either him keeping the ball when he shouldn't have, not passing it at the right time, or making the pass either too late or too early. Yeah, it's it's. I think he's expendable. Oh, I know you do. Yeah, I I know, I know you do, man, and. And it's it's a big thing. I, I I said to myself, I might have said it to you. I said this match is gonna gonna show what they can do without Salah on that wing, and they have the firepower to put someone there in his place. I mean, I as as a person who's not a fan of Liverpool, like I could care less if Salah stays or goes. I would I would want my club to sell him the way he's been playing the last year. Sell him, get a hundred that hundred mil, hundred twenty mil from whoever, and invest in that back line or invest in you know a holding midfielder or something. Get yeah, someone yeah. else in that midfield. I mean, I I feel if they make that step and get another center back or or, or get another holding midfielder or, or like Kimmich or somebody like that, you're you're going to take that next step and you're going to be able to contend for, you know, another couple years. And I feel it's time to do that. Salah's had his time. Saudi is spending a crazy money. Sure, people are leaving, but people are still going. You know, Brozovic and Ronaldo, there's still people out there playing. Let him go. I would let him go. I would invest in the club. Hell, you could get you could get a holding midfielder and a defender. Yeah, 50 you can. Each. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a good price. You got Sobo and and McAllister for less than fifty, so or around there. So you can find two good players, one good player with that, and you can really further your title charges for the season to come and this season. Uh, he is hurt, so he's back. He's not going to play in the playoff, even if they make the final. His agent came out and said that he's on his way back to England to uh, heal up with Liverpool. So he's back from AFCON. I don't see him going in January, but I think at the end of the year, he could be someone to go. I I think they talked about it already. If you remember, it was brought up. Hey, does he want to go? No. Okay, fine. But this, at the end of the year, it will be revisited. And I would like to see him just go ahead and go. And uh, it's time to, time to start filling up some of these holes that Liverpool have, and then you can have yourself another season where you could win the title. Right. I, I think that there's they have so much scoring talent up front that, yeah. he, is, that he is now expendable. They invested yeah. wisely. They rebuilt that front line. They knew they had to replace Mane and Firmino yeah. and Salah. They got Jota. They got Diaz. They got Nunez. 
Elliott looks like he can play really well on the wing. They got uh, Gakpo. He can play in numerous positions. It's done. The, 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 that front three has been completely retooled, and they don't need him anymore. And when you don't need something and it still has value, Nick, you know it's time to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for your service. I own two of your kits. I will ever forever be indebted to you. You won a Champions League. You won the Premier League, League Cup, FA Cup, FIFA Club World Cup, all the cups, yeah. my cup. The, yeah. the the big cup I have in the pantry, the yeah. Gamecocks cup that I drink out of in the morning. You won all the cups. He you won that one all. too. Yeah, but it's time it, when 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 the sun is setting. You want to sell before it's completely over the hill and it's complete yeah. darkness. And he still has some juice left in the tank. Let those damn Saudi guys just blow money on him. Like they want to blow ninety million on Juan Bissaka. You United's got to be thrilled about that. I mean. Get him the hell out of Manchester, right? So yeah. that's the same thing. I mean, if you're going to pay 90 mil for Juan Bissaka, who has basically uh, uh, Mohamed Salah's left thigh has more talent in it than Bissaka's whole body. That's true. What, what can they What can they get for 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 uh, Mohamed Salah? 120, 125, and then yes, go buy. Go go get like you said. Get a holding midfielder. Get, plug up the midfield. Solidify it because. You know that Tiago's going to be gone no matter what at the end of the season. You need to plug. You need to get somebody else to uh, – with a Matipian out, you you need some 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 backline help. Andy yeah. Robertson's been injured. Trent can't defend. You really need to have a backup or, or actually a starting right back. Then you can move Trent in the midfield. I've been saying that all yeah. season. I've been screaming that, right? Get a right back and then plug Trent in the midfield. And, and, and basically, you just got a new midfielder. Yeah. Because then Trent Absolutely. doesn't have to worry about being a right back anymore. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's I hate to say the old cliche, but it's like a new signing. Yeah. No, you're right. In a way, in a way, right? Yeah. So I'm just yeah. saying this, you know, but and I'm, I'm staying on Liverpool because, man, there wasn't really much else to talk about. Arsenal had the London Derby with Crystal Palace. They win that 5-0, but I, we could talk about whether that's the end of the, end of the line – for Crystal Palace and their manager, uh, you know, that's uh, – I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I guess your girlfriend cares. I don't give a shit one way yeah, or the other. No, she, yeah, I think old, – old, old Roy, old Roy might be on the way out. But, I mean, yeah. you know, but Arsenal took care of business 5-0. Do you have any comments on that match? Or you, I said you got woken uh, up to Arsenal got their ass uh, – Crystal Palace got their asses handed to yeah. them. It says no yeah, surprise, was- right? Yeah, that's. I mean, I woke up to hey, Crystal Palace lost five nothing. I was like, yeah, well, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I mean, from what I heard from Arsenal fans, it was it was a five nil victory, but there was it wasn't really that good of a performance. I don't know if because I hear I watch certain Arsenal people that they just talk crap about their club or what, but they were not very happy about the result. I mean, whatever. Uh, it's Crystal Palace. So I think, um, I think, uh, you know, Arsenal, they're, they're there. They're, I feel like right now they're, you know, they're just going to be settling for top four or five finish. And that's going to be their season because they're not going to get back up and contend against Liverpool. It's just not going to happen. So good victory, but you know, who the hell cares? Well, the, the one, the one match that I will say that where it was a, a total blown opportunity was West Ham and Sheffield. So Sheffield obviously sitting there with 
nine points going into the weekend. West Ham were in sixth, so they were six points behind Spurs. If they win, they move only three points behind Spurs with the same amount of matches played. They're, so they're still competing for Europa League. They're actually that would have put them in striking distance of Villa for the Champions League. So West Ham's still hanging around, right? And yeah. they totally blow it. They 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 go two two with Sheffield. Both both sides see a red card in this match. Yeah, I, I think this is just a massive, massive wasted opportunity for West Ham. Yeah, big time. They needed they needed those points there. I agree with you. I did. I remember looking at that being like, gosh. They really needed, and I think they were up, but then they gave up. They were. Ward Prowse hits the penalty and puts them up, and get this, the latest goal scored in Premier League history, the latest goal scored, 90th plus 13, and it was a penalty by McBurney. That's That's what gave Sheffield the equalizer. Yeah, that, I, I knew it was something. I remember there was something late that happened because West Ham was winning all the way till the end. So, yeah, missed opportunity, man. That could cost them, you know, a conference league or Europa. It could be the difference in the competition that they go to. You know, they they did win the the conference league, but you know, no fan wants to be stuck in that competition. So, no big big L, big L there. That was um, a massive missed opportunity. Yeah, big time. The rest of it is Brentford 3-2 over Forest, and then Wolves and Brighton played a stellar nil-nil on Monday. Uh, Nick, looking ahead, Arsenal, Nottingham, Forest. That's uh, Tuesday, January 30th. So we got we got a little bit of a break here. We're not going to be playing again until next week. Got a, a lot of League Cup stuff to take care of, right? League, uh, sorry, not League Cup, um, but domestic cup stuff to take care of. FA Cup. Yeah. And then the League Cup finals coming up in a couple of weeks between Chelsea and Liverpool. Luton Town, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Sheffield. That's a must win for Palace. That's at home at Selhurst Park. Yeah. If if Roy Hodgson can't win that, he's done. Then it's over. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. Aston Villa hosting Newcastle. That's massive, massive, massive. Because I, I don't know how many more losses Newcastle can withstand before they're going to get, they're going to sack their manager as well. Man City hosting Burnley, Tottenham, Brentford, Liverpool, Chelsea. That is Wednesday, January 31st. Wolves hosting United and West Ham hosting Bournemouth. So there's some stuff in there. West Ham needs to rebound from that loss, uh, from that draw this week, this past weekend. Wolves, United, always interesting. You never know when United could crash out. Be watching Goldbridge on that one to look for the meltdown. Yeah, Aston Villa and Newcastle. Besides Liverpool and Chelsea, that's the big one. I think Aston Villa yeah. has a chance to basically bury Newcastle for the count. I agree. Yeah, we, we've been talking about Newcastle for a while. This is their last of the big three that they had, and they lose this one. you got to start questioning, you know. What well, they're 11 have. points off Europe right now, okay? 11. Yeah. They now officially they have more losses than they have wins. So – they still somehow have a positive goal differential, but Nick, they've lost four consecutive matches. Yep. So it's, I just it's, don't, I just don't see if they lose to Villa, which they yeah. probably will. It's like I said, it's I think yeah. it's at Villa Park. Then that puts them. So Spurs has forty. That's the Europa League spot in fifth. Newcastle has twenty nine points. I. That's I. I just don't see it. I don't see. I don't see. I think they've they've just dug themselves too deep a hole. Yeah, 
I agree, man. I, I've been saying it for a while. Newcastle and Napoli, those are the the teams that are just absolute turmoil. And, you know, I'll leave Napoli out of this, but but Newcastle's in. Um, I mean, they're going to lose this match, and they're going to have to do something. You can't just keep losing like this, especially when you were expected to be a top-four side. You remember preseason, me and you talking about Newcastle? We had big hopes. Yeah. I mean – we were talking about Champions League again, and now they're just going to fight to freaking try to get in Europa or something. I mean, this is uh, this is definitely big, and and he, I feel like he's going to just lose his job, and Newcastle is going to going to replace him somebody good, and then hopefully they can get it together. Uh, they're they're also going to probably hit this market really hard. They have the the backing from the Saudi group, so let's see what happens. I, I just. They're going to lose to Villa, and I feel like five losses in a row to these team, these games, these matches. You must win. It's time, man. It's got to be. You got to. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I go to work, and I have a week straight of bad work. I'm probably going to lose my job. Hey, listen to this. <laughs> there may be hope for Chelsea after all. If they win the League Cup, if they somehow can upset Liverpool, guess what happens to them? They get. Uh, Europa League spot. No, sir. They get a Conference League spot. So Chelsea will have, if they win the European football next season, guaranteed. Do they want to play in the Conference League? Yes. I listen to Chelsea guys, and they they will take it. I've heard them say, we will take Conference League. They want to get these young guys' experience playing in Europe. I'm sure it's against, you know, Dynamo Zagreb and, and Rajika and, and Slovan Broslovich. But, hey, it's experience. They're starting to look a little better. Uh, uh, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't think uh, they will outsmart Klopp. But it's a cup game. Klopp might not care two dams about this game. We don't know. It is a final. He, he will. It's a league final. He will care. For, he, yeah. he will care. This is, for, this is for a trophy. He can add to his trophy case. This is all about collecting. This is all about collecting silverware at this point. You yeah. make it to a final, and Klopp cares. I, I promise <laughs> you, he will start a very respectable starting eleven. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, I I don't give it to Chelsea by any means. Would I like to see him win it? Of course, I, I'd like to see you know Chelsea fans get something. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to beat Liverpool. Liverpool could score four or five goals on you. You know. And Chelsea isn't the best at uh, at stopping those those wingers and those sides. They they've been interchanging that back line for some time. So we'll see. Well, I don't know when the final is, but February twenty fifth, my friend. February twenty fifth. Okay, so we just got a month. I'd love to lay some eyes on that one. See yeah. see what the world happens. Well, so do you want to talk quickly? What's going on? We because we skipped it last week for the Mourinho special. Uh, I need you to quickly catch people up on what's going on with AFCON, and then we'll talk about the Asia Cup real quick. I did see, yeah. like, uh, our boys, what, Iraq won today? Yeah. I, I saw uh, that. Yeah, well, I will say Japan ended up uh, losing a match to Iraq, yeah. which was big. I mean, big news in Asia. I mean, Japan being one of the favorites. You know, it's funny. We talked about who could win it. And did you know that South Korea actually holds the edge over Japan in head-to-heads? Korea 
has like 10 or 12 more wins against Japan head to head in the history. So that's a little bit of bit of something I didn't know, you know, being that I just, you know, 10, 15 years ago, start following, you know, in my mind, I think Japan is the perennial side in Asia. Sure. They have recently, but South Korea, you know, they're good. They play tomorrow morning. I think they're going to destroy this team they play and they are looking to be the favorite so far in, uh, yeah. In, in Asia. Do you want to, we can hit. Asia hey, so quick. I wanted to say this, the, the, so if, if anyone hasn't read this book, it's, it, it was written around the time, I think of the 2010 world cup. It was, it's called soccer nomics. And some listeners have probably read it and know about it. Um, I read it two summers ago, I think first time, and they were talking in Soccernomics about how one day Iraq would be a world champion, so World Cup champion, that they they have the most potential of any of the clubs, or excuse me, any of the nations in Asia. And so Saddam Hussein's grandson, Alexei Hussein, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yes, Hussein did score. Hussein, I'm not kidding you. Hussein yeah. scored in the 73rd minute and the 90th plus 12. That was a penalty. They beat Vietnam today, so... Two countries that the United States has had wars with in the past 50 years. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, one of them, I will say, the U.S. technically lost to Vietnam. And yeah. Iraq, they beat twice. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Iraq gets to the group stage first place, man. So, maybe that book wasn't so far off. And this is not the World Cup by any by any means. But this was match day three out of three, I believe. Yeah, Iraq is undefeated. They've beaten Indonesia, Philippines, and Vietnam. Their neighbors to the south, Saudi Arabia, they're 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 looking good. Tajikistan. Then you have UAE, Bahrain, Iran, Uzbekistan. Yeah, and let's see, Malaysia, Oman, South Korea, Thailand, and China. Man, I just don't understand how China just has so many people and they can't yeah. win. No. Uh, North Korea, no. North Korea right now with Japan, top of Group B, and then Qatar and Kuwait. So do you do you want to comment like uh let's comment on the Asia Cup first? So what are you what what are you seeing as we as we get to the uh knockout stage of this of this uh, I'll I'll say that I think Iraq looks strong, defensively decent, and Iran also, man, it, it's gonna be it, this might be one of the you know, one of the desert sides, I guess we can say, that could pull it off. I mean, it, Japan was beaten. I mean, they look beatable. And uh, uh, I, I just, I really think that Iraq and, and Iran stand a good chance. That's that's what I've seen. I mean, I've been watching the games in the morning and Australia look decent. They're okay. Uzbekistan is holding strong. They have a good defense also, but I just I feel like in a playoff setting, Iraq and Iran are so tight defensively. It's going to be hard. I feel that the last four is most likely going to be the ones that you think, like Japan, South Korea, Iran, Iraq, whichever path it is. Saudi, maybe Saudi's gotten some good some uh, some good referee calls, red cards, and whatnot in this to to get them along. I feel so. I don't think they're going to last very long, but it 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 looks to be. It's hard to pick this one, man. It really is. I mean, you were saying South Korea, which is a good pick. I said Japan, and Japan lost. So there's no telling where this is going, but it's it's shaping up to be pretty entertaining. 
Um, last year we got to see, or last cup we saw Qatar sneak away with it. So when we see Iraq finally win something, we could. Well, so some of these round of 16 matches are already determined. So Australia is waiting on their opponent, but Tajikistan's playing UAE. Iraq is waiting on their opponent. Qatar's waiting on theirs. Uzbekistan is theirs. Then there's two, there's a TBD versus a TBD. Japan's waiting on theirs. And then Iran is going to guaranteed play Syria. So Syria, I, I just yeah. look at these and I'm just looking at all the political turmoil and these countries that oh, hate each yeah. other. It's, this is insane. Yeah. It's, it's so, really bad. Yeah. I, how did the, how did, how do the players not just go out there and murder each other? I mean, when it comes yeah. down to how they how much they despise each other. But um, anyways, so I still I'm sticking with that, right? Like South Korea, to me, they have the strongest side, and I think that they have the clear technical and tactical advantage and talent advantage over everyone else. Maybe except Japan. I think you're yeah they lost one, but hey. You don't have to be perfect in the group stage. You just have yeah. to be perfect after the group stage. So yeah. Japan's in the knockout stage. They've already clinched. So, I mean, I, I, I think those are still the two the two teams that I look at to be there at the end with Australia possibly a spoiler. And I, I'm telling you right now, like, I like Iraq. I like Iraq, man. They, they, they've, yeah. they've proven themselves pretty damn good in this tournament. Yeah, they can beat UAE or Tajikistan. So I let's see who they draw in that first match. And then, yeah, you're absolutely right. You got Iraq, Australia, Japan, Qatar. Let's see which bracket uh, Korea goes to. And you could you could see Iran's going to have to play Syria and then probably Japan. So they Japan or Iran are going to knock each other out. Uh, Iraq could have an easier path, man. This is this is something I'm I, I'm going to be paying attention to. I do every morning. I, I first thing I do is after what I you know my normal stuff. I'll check and watch highlights to these matches because they're they're just very entertaining, man. This year has been a great cup. <clears throat> well, let's move to Afcon where the round of sixteen is set. Nick, this is yeah, this is set. kind of your specialty. So let's I want yeah. your take on this, right? So we have. Angola, Namibia, we have Nigeria and Cameroon. So from a name perspective, that's massive. Cameroon has always been a powerhouse in Africa. Nigeria with the 94 World Cup team ever since then. The Eagles, they've been a a power in Africa. So that's that's big in terms of name recognition. Then you have Equatorial Guinea versus Guinea. So I guess one's on the equator and one's not. I'm not, you know, I don't don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I don't know, like Guinea versus Guinea, but one's on the equator. Then yeah. Egypt. So without the uh, Egyptian king, Egypt will be playing the Democratic Republic of Congo. Cape Verde versus Mauritania. Senegal, who I think we both picked to win this thing. Yeah. They are the defending champs. Senegal versus Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast, of course, made famous by Didier Drogba. And that squad, 2006 World Cup, fantastic stuff. Ivory Coast, yeah. Senegal, also name-wise, pretty big matchup. Mali versus Burkina Faso. And then, you, no, no, I'm sorry. Now that I read this, you had Morocco. You you predicted yeah, Morocco. Morocco is playing yeah. South Africa in the final match of the round of 16. Your Morocco team still uh, alive and well. So how do you – round of 16, what stands out to you and who do you see advancing? Well, I want to say Ivory Coast only won their first match. They got three points. They just lost 4-0 to Equatorial Guinea. 
and one nil uh, the match before that. I Ivory Coast they lost that to Nigeria. Ivory Coast just got beat four nil to Equatorial Guinea. So just let that sink in. They're not very good. I think uh, Senegal is going to cook them. And then Mali and Burkina Faso, they scored every match in the last, I think it was, they scored a goal in every match for the last like eight or nine, and they finally got shut out last match. They have a hard one with Mali. Uh, Egypt are missing the King. I think they're going to get knocked out. DR Congo, not by DR Congo. I think they'll go to the next round with Guinea with, with, uh, Garassi playing, uh, Guinea have been decent. Equatorial Guinea though, man, they're, they're doing their thing. I think the standout is Cape Verde. They won, uh, three nil two one and then drew with Egypt and they have just looked really good. We talked about it. That guy had a hat trick. He plays for a third tier Spanish side he ended up scoring a hat trick, I think, in the second match against Mozambique, or uh, or it might have been, I forget who he did. Well, anyways, they're a, a good sneaky team. Uh, we we have you have to think that the Nigeria Cameroon match is probably going to be your biggest, right? Off name recognition, uh, Cameroon snuck in. And Nigeria had a few good matches to to get in two one nil victories to to seal their progression here. I feel Nigeria is going to probably end up meeting Morocco, and Senegal is probably going to either meet Guinea or maybe even the Congo. I'm not sure, man. I don't know how I feel about Egypt without Salah yet. They look terrible against uh, Cap Cap Verde, so. I got to stick with either Senegal or Morocco, man. I think it's their tournament. Algeria looked terrible. I think they fired their manager already. Egypt advanced on three draws, Nick. I mean, that's – Yeah. They got three yeah. points. Let, so let, and let the me, biggest I'm, disappointment, I think, so far has I, got to be Algeria and, and Ghana with finishing Ghana, third. I was, yeah, I was going to say Onana was sent off. They didn't pick him to start. They flew him back to England and they needed to win, and they did not. They were eliminated, and because Ghana got, I think it was because they got beat, that Egypt went through no matter what as long as they drew. But Egypt went up 2-1, and then they let in a late goal, and the Egyptians thought they were getting eliminated. So it was kind of crazy at the end there, man. They were they were very upset when they let in that 2-2 goal, but because Ghana crapped the bed so bad, Egypt got the pass into the playoff. Yeah, it, the, I, three draws. Yeah, three draws for Egypt, and three that's points. good enough for second place in their group. Two, I, mean, I think every game went two to two. It did. Yeah, goals for six, goals against six. Yeah, you never see that many goals in Egypt matches. It was absolutely mind blowing to me. They just they looked discombobulated, and when Salah went out. They were even more just – it's almost like they were lost. I have to say that Group A was pretty tough, right? You had Ivory Coast, Nigeria, and Equatorial Guinea all in the same group. So that was a, kind of a group of death there. Then yeah. Senegal and Cameroon, they played in the same group. But, yeah, Ghana was a big disappointment finishing third behind Egypt with just two points. They get two draws and a win. Goals four or five, goals against six. And then, of course, Algeria, they just lay a complete egg. You know, you were talking about them before the tournament yeah. as potentially a surprise team, kind of a sleeper yeah. pick. 
and they finish dead last in their group. They don't get a win. They get two draws, one loss, just uh, against. And I, I got to say, I mean, these names like Angola has been in the World Cup before. They've they, they've had some success in footy, but Burkina Faso and Mauritania, I'm not familiar with them, but they don't. I, Algeria, I mean, Algeria was the one team in the 2014 World Cup the only team to not lose to Germany. They drew, they, they, or excuse me. Um, I'm trying to remember this correctly. No, Germany beat them. I think one nil. It was very close. I think that yeah. was, that was, I'm pretty sure that was the one that Germany had. Yes. That was the knockout stage. I think it was the round of 16. Germany barely beat Algeria one nil. They played the Germans tough. So they've, they've had yeah. Success in the past decade. Algeria's got a squad. They finished dead last, Nick. I mean, not not even not even a win in this thing. Yeah, they they did bad. I mean, I was very disappointed. I've I've always liked Algeria. I, I've I've always just had a soft spot for them. They have really good players, uh, Mares and and Slimani. Um, those guys are coming to the end of their run for the national team. I'm I'm seeing already that guys are announcing retirement that they're finished and Algeria is now looking to bring up the youngsters. So it's going to be a rebuild time for Algeria here. Uh, I, and they need it. They only, I think got one point. It was just a terrible showing. It hurt my heart because I always like to see Algeria do good. I love their domestic league. I like their players and they just did not show up. It was a terrible tournament for the Algerians. Probably going to be the last tournament for, or, I would say for Sadio Mane with Senegal. I mean, he's getting. Yeah, he's getting up there, man. You you got to think it, it's getting to be time. He's he's the man though for that team. You know that right now. He's yeah. regardless how he does domestically. He's he's like their leader. He's he's their guy. So it, you got to think within the next two years, it's going to be over with for him. He has to pass that torch on. Well, so you're predicting that Senegal take care of Ivory Coast then, right? Yes, Ivory Coast will stands no chance. You, okay. I think I think you could start for Senegal, take the place for Mane on the wing and you would still beat Ivory Coast. So, um Egypt versus Congo. Egypt three draws, they finally get off the schneid here and get a win. Oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Oh, that's literally a coin flip, man. No Mo Salah, of course. I know, and they still have good players. You know, they got guys who play in Europe. DR Congo has has decent players also. I just – it's a hard one. You got to go with Egypt just because of the past, but mm-hmm. it, I don't – I wouldn't be surprised. Egypt Egypt won't make it past the next round. I think Equatorial Guinea or Guinea with Garassi, I think they're going to be, be able to beat Egypt. If Egypt make it to the final four or eight, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I mean they yeah they they have not they have not looked very impressive so far. Morocco and South Africa, I'm te- I'm taking it you're going to pick Morocco to win that. Oh yeah, yeah, Morocco all the way. I think and, Morocco, yeah, easy. Angola, Namibia, no, Angola, of course, like I said, finished top of their group, so they've been pretty impressive yeah. so far. Yeah, Angola is decent. They have they have a few good players. They have a couple of players who play in the Portuguese league that are doing really well. I'll, I have to. You got to go with Angola there. You you have to. The way they've been playing D and the way they uh, played their group stage matches, you you got to think like a one nil 
or, or like a zero zero into extra time winner for them there. You got to think that that has to be, be something that could happen. And Nigeria, Cameroon, um, Nigeria. That's, that's a, yeah. Okay. Cameroon don't belong. Cameroon got lucky. And, and so Gambia scored a goal at the end to draw with Cameroon and Cameroon was eliminated, but they VAR, they called VAR and they called back Gambia's goal and Cameroon was advanced. So they really shouldn't be even playing this. It, it's kind of funny they got paired against Nigeria because I feel Nigeria are going to probably put up two or three against them, and it's going to be over with. If Gambia can score a couple, then what do you think Oshaman and those and Lookman and and all those guys can do against uh, their defense? So Cameroon's going to get destroyed. Yeah, I just uh, looked at the. I was looking at the the potential pairings, and it would be if the the matchup whether the final the last time was Egypt and Senegal in court and for them to meet up they would have to get Egypt would have to get to the semifinal to to face Senegal so that yeah I, yeah, I think that's highly unlikely especially with Mohamed Salah now back in England rehabilitating his injuries I think England uh, Egypt has been lucky to even get this far with three draws that would in yeah. typical fashion in a world cup or whatever, or European championship, that that's your death. If you can't, if you three points, you have to get at least four to even have a snowball's chance and three is just not. Yeah. yeah. Four is that sweet spot. You can get to four. You got a little chance. I mean, you're, you draw all your matches. You're, you're pretty much toast. And the only reason Egypt made is because Ghana was so bad. Ghana was probably the joke of the tournament. I have to say with Onana being made fun of, he came, so he left Manchester to play start in the second group stage game, and he let in like two or three goals. I mean, it was a joke. They were by far the laughing stock of the tournament, I will say. So let's move on real quick before we close out some transfer news. And it's it's weird because this is what you get, right? You have to really fil- you have to filter this crap out because one of them is Man United lead the Benzema race, and then on Sky Sports. Manchester United turned down chance to sign Kareem Benzema. That was five hours ago. One of them, yeah. the first one I read was eight hours ago. The second one was five hours ago. Chelsea are now in the lead, apparently, to sign Joshua Kimmich. Real Madrid will move on from Vinicius if they get Mbappe. That's from ESPN, by the way. So, that's, oh, wow. that, uh, yeah, so there, you know, we're, we're this, I mean, it's all over the place. So, do you, do you have any, do you have any predictions on, who will end up where when it's all said and done? We have a week left in the January transfer window, so no moves will be made after that until the summer. Do you do you have any thoughts on where these people land? Because you yesterday were talking about Benzema going to Chelsea. Now this yeah. is being reported he's going to be going to United, but then it says United turned it down. So yeah, th- who, whose guess? Anybody's guess, I guess, is as good as anybody's. But yeah. I just I feel I feel like this transfer window has been kind of quiet, man. It's more quiet than usual. I mean, we still have a week, but everything calmed down after that first week of wildness and talking about this and that, and then it calms down. And now going into this last week, we might see a few moves. Uh, I don't. I, I just I don't know if anyone's going to pick up Chelsea or pick up Benzema because his weekly wages. You want to take a stab at how much he makes a week? Uh, how much does he make? 3.2 million a week. So, 
That's literally what Saudi's playing, paying him. I'm not kidding you. So that's the problem with signing Benzema is who's going to pick up those wages because it's just going to be a six-month loan. Like they're not talking about getting him permanently. Who's going to take care of those wages? Chelsea isn't. United isn't. So they're trying to figure out something to where they someone could possibly get away with paying him three hundred or four hundred thousand a week, which is still outrageous. But to get Benzema to get that striker who can finish, I mean, some of these clubs are desperate for it. Chelsea would love to have someone who could freaking finish, and United haven't had a finisher since you know, Wayne Rooney or something. I mean, I don't even know if you can call him that. So, you know, th- this this is going to be interesting to see what happens, but Benzema wants out just like Hendo wanted out, and we're going to see where he goes. I think he'll probably end up at Chelsea, but there's going to be some changes to his wage structure. Uh, and, but, you know, United could sneak in, man. You never know with these transfers, man. Just like you said, five hours ago he's this, and eight hours before that he was this. You never know. Liverpool targeting Coop Miners from Atalanta, the Dutch yeah, international. They're preparing yeah. to make a huge offer, apparently, for saw that. for for Coop Miners. So I like this Coop is Miner. something to uh, Newcastle and Manchester United and Juventus have also been linked with him. But it looks like maybe Liverpool have the inside edge on on that one. Yeah, as well as Gio Reyna possibly being loaned out to Nottingham Forest from Dortmund. Yeah. What do you think about that? I saw that. I saw that. I, I think Gio needs needs to get out of Dortmund, man. He he's never he's only he comes off the bench, and you know every now and then he'll get you a goal. But it's time he he gets some England time. I, I think it'd be a great move for him. Great move for the United States. Get somebody out into England. Let them play. Uh, I think the the Coop Miners that one is is good. I mean, granted he's 25, that's not too old, but the guy has been on fire. I mean, coming from AZ Alkmaar, he was kind of he was he was a little bit underrated, man. I mean, the guy is really important for Atlantia. He he's really good. I I think he's a vital piece to them. I don't know why they'd get rid of him, I guess money. I mean, money's a big catalyst to freaking everything. So that could be a good reason why. But I think he would he would do good for, for Liverpool, man. That would be a really good addition to that midfield. Uh, really good addition. Because the guy, not that Liverpool needs goals, but he also, great vision, good pace. I mean, the guy the guy would help help Liverpool out a lot. I'd love to see that. Kieran Trippier is uh, poor, reportedly he's he's getting a second bid from Bayern Munich to Newcastle. No, no? dude, I, I heard I I just heard this before we got on. Bayern Munich, the CEO or the owner or whoever he is, came out and said, "If we're not sure about a player, we're out." So we are out on Trippier. He okay. said that publicly. He said. He said, we can't come to a decision. We're not 100% that we want him. So they said they're out of the race. But you signed Eric Dyer. Like, come on, dude. That, that, yeah, that one, maybe he, maybe it has to do with the fact that his boy is the striker there with uh, his former Spurs yeah. teammate. Well, think Perry, about it. Dyer, Kane, Dyer, Kane, and Trippier, they could all have been at Bayern Munich. That's crazy. Okay. So we talked about this. A couple weeks ago, you said he's a piece of shit. Very well may be, but it seems like 
This is being reported by, consider the source, it's the sun. So it could be just absolute bullshit, but as a British tabloid, but they're saying that 22 year old former Man United starling Mason Greenwood could be heading to Barcelona. What are your mm. thoughts on that? I, I just, I don't think a big club is going to take a chance on it. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a tricky one. I mean, even Goldbridge had his thoughts on it. You know, he, the evidence against him was big. I'm not okay with someone who is violent towards women. So I don't know, man. I mean, the guy can play football, sure. But, you know, sometimes you got to have some respect for your club and who you who you get. I just don't see him, the, any big club like Barcelona taking a chance on it. I just don't, man. I, from a PR standpoint, you know, you, you gotta, at some point you gotta just, you know, say no. I, I mean, it's so funny because sure he made the team for uh Getafe, but that's Getafe, man. You're talking about a club that was in and out of the second tier, you know, every two or three seasons they're fighting relegation, you know, Barcelona and Getafe are two big different things. So, you know, my own personal preferences and, and how I feel about, Violence towards women is one thing, but the guy can play football. I'll say that. I just don't see Barcelona going and taking that risk. A 52.3% of United supporters that were polled want him back on their squad. What does that I say? I bet they do. I bet they do. I mean, they'll put aside their feelings and emotions towards violence towards women for a good player. That's how bad they are. Hmm. I just don't know if that would be a good a good move to to take him back at Old Trafford. They will they will not take him back. I'm telling you, the day he plays for Manchester United is the day I drive off the Ravenel going like 80. Well, finally, let's get the, so the BBC, who they I mean they seem to be decently reliable, right? Al Nasser, you know who they are, right? Yeah, they Sorry. are uh, lining up an audacious bid for Brazil midfielder Casemiro. And ex under twenty one defender, English national, English defender, as I told you before, Aaron Juan Bissaka, as United prepare to offload some of their high earning stars. What do yeah. you What do you think about what we talked about this right? United drop out of Europe, and they have a bloated roster and a large wage bill. So we yeah. knew that they were well, going to try and be cutting some dead weight. Like, what do you think about these two players? I mean, Casemiro. Still, you know, on the good side of 30. He's only 31. Yeah. And I guess that means they've conceded defeat on Juan Bissaka. Yeah. Well, there's a reason Real Madrid got rid of him. You got to think about that. If Real Madrid's going to let him go, your top tier, top club, there's a reason. Uh, he was probably on the downslope, which it's showing that he was. But I want to say, you know, United got City's old player guy. They're City's. Um, I forget what he's called, uh, like like what we would compare a general manager to for NFL, for a football club. So they hired City's old uh, player scout manager guy. I, I It sucks I don't know what he's called, but they got him, and now apparently he's making these cuts. So as a United supporter, you got you to gotta be happy about this, but – you know, someone like Casemiro and Juan Bissaka, they're they are just dead weight, and and who really cares? I mean, Casemiro's at the end. Bissaka never really was, 
you know, somebody who was world-class or anything. So getting him out of there is probably doing more United a favor than it is Nasir. Well, the, here's some of the other rumors real quick. I got, I got, okay. So we talked about this earlier, Crystal Palace boss, Roy Hodgson, 76 years old, mind you, has been warned that he could be sacked if results don't improve. Yes. Nottingham Forest linked with Giovanni Reina, 21 years old, United States midfielder on a loan. Mason Greenwood potentially to Barcelona. So there, yeah, the BBC is also reporting that, by the way. Victor Oshiman has hinted that he is ready to leave Napoli this summer with Chelsea, Man United, and Real. Why does anybody still want to go to United? Jesus Christ. All linked with the 25-year-old Ford, but he has a 100 million pound release clause in his contract. So it will not be cheap to get him. Jose Mourinho has rejected an offer from Al-Shabaab. We talked about this last week on his episode potentially becoming their manager. He is not going to be going to Al-Shabaab. That is uh, per ESPN. And Leon Leander Dondecker, Dendonker, sorry. Napoli have agreed to a loan with Aston Villa, which includes a non-mandatory option to buy clause worth 7.7 million pounds. And the 28-year-old Belgian midfielder will be heading to Italy. This is interesting in the fact that Man United are interested in who we just mentioned, by the way, Bayern Munich's Eric Maxim Chupamuting. 34-year-old Cameroon forward Eric Maxim Chupamuting. This is – I've never seen so much to do over a guy that I I would say he's not even a has-been. He's a never was. Yeah. But I I guess Man United are desperate for goals, right? Because they can't score. They can't score. But does Bayern Munich – I mean, I would take whatever United's willing to offer, but does that make United better? I mean, I don't think so, man. You got to think that I agree with you. It's Chippa Moting, man. I mean, this isn't, you know, you're not getting Boniface or Lookman. You're not getting a, a perennial finisher. You're getting a guy who's been coming off the bench for Bayern Munich and started a little bit, but you know, you, you just, I don't think it makes them better. I just, you know, I feel the same way you do about Chippa Moting. I've never understood the big hoopla. I mean, the guy's just, just an average striker, you know? Yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about with United, this actually makes sense. They are leading the race to sign Bologna's Dutch Ford, former Bayern Munich standout, Wow, yeah, I won't say he's a standout. I, he was a, a up and comer who who featured for them back in the 2021 season. Joshua Zirkze, 22. He's also yeah. getting interest from Arsenal, but it looks like Manchester United. Well, Manchester United just in the lead for everybody, but every time they get somebody, they still are in eighth or ninth place. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. Is it because of their of of, of the crest? Is that it? I mean, it's politically. Uh, and a complete dumpster fire. The Glazers still own it. They have a manager who can't figure his, how to manage his way out of a wet boot. He yeah. has players that hate his guts. They yeah. have so much wasted money in players like Anthony and uh, um, uh, what was the guys from? They just signed from um, Atalanta. Rasmus, Rasmus, yeah. yeah. They I mean, now. Bruno Fernandez is, 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 is his, his momentum and his attitude have shifted to the negative yeah. side. I mean, it's just, yeah. 
one thing after another. Uh, Rafael Varane, uh, where, where do you? I mean, where do you? Where do you want to go with this? Bissaka, Juan Bissaka, we just talked about. Of course, Martial has been a failure. Rashford is is yeah. inconsistent as they come, right? Yeah. So I just, I I don't get it. I don't get. I don't yeah. understand what United should be buying players from Dortmund's bench at this point with the yeah. disappointment there. But I mean. I guess they'll just keep loading up and spending money and and getting eighth place finishes. And I guess yeah. the, until they, yeah, until they get it, man. I mean, they'll do this till the end of time until they get it. Blow through money, Martial. I want to say just it, it, his career, the bust that it is. He just had groin surgery. They just announced, so he's out for the probably the rest of the season. So you know this this Mar- Martial and all these Greenwood and and. And Rashford, they've all just been bust, man. It's it's really quite sad. I mean, at least Chelsea have a Champions League to go with their little bit of bust that they've had. United have just nothing to show for it. Ever since Fergie left, it's been the dumps. Well, the one that surprises me the most is Oshiman to to United. I mean, Real Madrid makes sense. Real Madrid makes sense. Yeah, maybe Chelsea. But I, I, if I were Victor Oshiman, I wouldn't touch Old Trafford. Yeah, it's far away. He just signed an extension. So, and you did say there's that big buyout clause. So they have a, it's a hundred million pound uh, yeah. release clause. Yes, release. Yeah, excuse me. I, I just I don't see it happening, man. No one in their right mind is going to go there unless they get paid. You know, you're not stupid enough to pay it. They are. No, they will. They, Don't make they a will. mistake about it. They're stupid enough to pay that, but then yeah. Victor Oshiman's going to go there and become the next Lukaku. Yeah, exactly. Forgotten and, about. And, yeah. No, I, I agree, man. It's it's like a place you just go to die. I, I Until there's some type of front office change with the, the owners, I just feel like it's just going to be a graveyard for big signings and big names. That's just what it's going to be. It's been like that for the last 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the transfer stuff. It's um, Arsenal also looking at Delit. So there's there's that. You know, Bayern is bringing him players because it looks like they're about to lose Delit and possibly Kimmich. I just it's just interesting to see what other what all the publications are saying. Seventy five percent of it is complete bullshit. Yeah. So and it's just speculative. It's like I'm saying, uh, yeah, Thierry Henry is uh, coming to uh, Arsenal. He's yeah. going to come back and and, and bring them, yeah, bring them back right. to glory. The the yeah. the the, uh, the what are the um what were they called in two thousand four? The Invincibles. Uh, the Invincibles. Yeah, it's 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 mostly just it's mostly just bullshit. But some of these will in fact happen. They will. Yeah. Some of them will happen. It's but like most of them most of them won't. It's yeah. just interesting to see. We have a week left. It would be I feel like not appropriate for us not to at least talk about it. We are in the the winter transfer window. Players will move. Players have moved. And with one week left to go, I think it's just interesting to see what ESPN, what the BBC, what Sky Sports, and yes, even what The Sun, who probably gets 95% of what they write incorrect, what they're, yeah. all, what they're all saying in terms yeah. of who's going where. I do think that Giorena loan is an interesting one from Dortmund yeah, to good. Nottingham Forest. I, I, I think that's uh, kind of a... An interesting move that Dortmund would give up such a young talent. Don't I mean? I feel like they kind of need him. Yeah, no, you would you would think you'd want the guy. I mean, he he brings pace, brings energy off the bench. Uh, I agree, man. You know why would you do that? But 
it's BVB, dude. Who knows? You know, they, they got a, a eight-year-old running their front office. Yeah. So with that being said, Nick, I, I'm good for this week in terms of foot, football transfers. We've covered it all, my friend. We have caught back up yeah. after our, our Josie Mourinho tribute episode, which everyone go check that out. He's, he's one of the goats. He's on the Mount Rushmore of 21st century managers. But yeah. Nick, what else, what else do you have to say, sir? Any, any, any particular match that you're going to be looking for this weekend to watch? I can't miss that you're going to be watching. Uh, you know, um, in Brazil, the under 23 final Corinthians Cruzario is tomorrow. That's a big match in Brazil. A lot of youth that are going to be playing in Europe here soon. I'll be checking that out. And the state matches for Brazil have started. That is also something I've been watching. Botafogo lost today. They were huge favorites, so they're already starting their bottling. They're continuing from last season. Uh, really, any anything, uh, everything else we've talked about. You know, I'm I'm really watching uh, South America starting to kick back off. We had the Super Cup in Colombia. That finished tonight. The Millionaires beat Junior uh, to win the cup. So the season is officially starting in South America. So I'm shifting my nighttime watches from, you know, highlights and nothing to Brazil and Paraguay and uh, Colombia. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But everything else we've talked about, man, we had a great – this was a good one. This is this is one for the books. I, I enjoyed all of this, and I'm really looking forward to uh, next week where we can chat about some Inter Milan and Juventus. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good one. A lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of passion, a lot of rivalry, a lot of heat in that one. That that's going to be the feature feature matchup next week. It does not get any better than the Derby yeah. d'Italia between Juve and Inter. This is the rematch, of course, at the San Siro. So, Nick, yeah. with that being said, and we'll turn the lights out, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. All right, we will see everyone next week on another episode from The Basement. Until then, take care. See ya.